What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of On the Bluff. I am your host, Christian Fowler. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Gabe Coon. What's up, brother? What's the word? We're you back. doing well? We're back in shorts. Yeah, I am. Uh, it's, uh, can I be I honest, we, we are. We are. Can I be completely frank with you, though? Yeah, be frank. i to turn this up at least yeah, a tad yeah, bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's fully shorts weather, because like, when it gets dark outside and it... You know, sun's not out anymore. It's still pretty damn chilly, bro. Yeah, but that's not what we're saying. We're in shorts currently right now. Yes. You were just trying to show off your tats, bro. You ain't going to lie. I'm not lying. It dude, just, it dude just, whenever you can wear shorts, whenever you can wear your, you know. You okay, know, you're right. The nut huggers, you, you go for it. You're right. But it worked. I'm not wrong. Yeah, I mean, hey. I'm not wrong. My, my I always le- thought about leg tats, man. Well, go like for a it. leg sleeve, like a calf. Your calf leg tat. does not look like it belongs on a 300-pound man. <laughs> you saying I got little legs? Did I skip leg day? From the knee down. I think you skipped calf day. Calf day? Jeez. Yeah. I, uh, I, I did not skip calf day. You did not? Yeah. You can I'm just confirm. Compact. I'm, I have compact legs, compact lower body strength. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's all it is. That's, that's all it is. I don't have normal alignment legs, though. You don't. You're not, you're not as beefy down low. <laughs> thanks, brother. I, I, is that a thanks, or I don't even know what I say to that. Depends on I'll how just, you take it. I'll just let it be. I'll Depends just let on it be how there. you take it. Somebody needs the audience needs to tell me if I should say thanks or go to hell for that. Like I said, it's all up for um, interpretation. What'd you do this weekend? Hung out? Yeah, it's pretty pretty chill weekend. Yeah, nothing too crazy. Yeah, went to dinner Friday night. Saturday, Anna Ruth had a uh, event in Oxford, so I went down. Supported her for a couple hours. Nice. Came back home. Was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, eat dinner, watch a movie. Fell asleep at 10 o'clock. There you go. Good I'm, deal. I think I'm I'm crossing the threshold into, like, pretty old. Yeah, I did nothing this weekend. And then uh, while we record this, I'm missing Bunko Night. Happily. Yeah, happily. It's a, bunch of, it's a bunch of, you know. Um, <laughs> my bunch, age, you know, the, the uh, late late twenties, early thirties, and then older, you know, middle aged women playing bunko. That's <laughs> what it is. God. I had to go buy. God, I had to go buy. Taylor, I'm I'm gonna DM Taylor and tell. I had to, to go this. buy uh, five bottles of wine. I got an s- extra one for me, just in case. You know. Yeah. Got some merlot for myself. I see. So there is that. But there sounds like they're having a good time already. Good. Glad they are. But they, I am, I have been forced. I have a uh, little nook upstairs with a TV. That's where you're going. Yeah, yeah. That's my designated spot for the night. That's fair. Gotta stay out of their hair. So that's bunko. What the hell is bunko? I have no idea. You're asking the wrong guy. It's like a, it's a white woman's poker night. I just said I was crossing the threshold into old. Not that I'm fully old yet. I don't have bunko nights. Yeah. About to be 26 though. So feels like a feels like a white woman's poker night. Sounds like it. Is. It sounds like it. But they they bet too. Like that. They, they, they actually they bet. Oh, they bet. Like there money is there is there. money on the table for both. Sounds like we need to contact the gaming commission. Yes. <laughs> Turn them in. Turn them in. <laughs> Don't send them to my house. No more. Wait till it's at somebody else's house. No more bunko that. nights. Yeah, you and right. I have to worry about it anymore. We get the gaming commission involved. Okay. That sounds highly illegal. <laughs> all right. I got you. <laughs> got it. 
uh, got to crack down on things like that. Huh? <laughs> yeah, you do. With all the online gambling yeah. and everybody else. 30-year-old white women gambling yeah. on Bunko? <laughs> drinking, drinking wine yeah. and playing Bunko. Yeah, cut down on that. Can't have that. That needs to be busted ASAP. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, okay. I'm, not, I'm not for it. I hope Taylor knows that that's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're hopping into a little bit of Tigers. Last week, and uh, with this Tiger basketball season, the way it's gone... It's been roller coaster. You're at the top of yep. that roller coaster. You had that severe. I, what did I? Was it uh, the boss at uh, Saint Six yep. Flags St. Yep. Louis? It was that that boss drop? And then you stayed down there for a while. Came back up. Won what four straight? Three. Then straight uh, three. Came straight back down with the trip to Dallas. Yep. And then now you're kind of back on that upswing. They're twenty and eight, nine and six in conference. Twenty four win. Twenty four point win over Charlotte. Four-point win over FAU. They competed hard. We'll talk about the Malcolm Dandridge stuff here yeah. at, at the end of this segment because I think that deserves its own time. For sure. But I want to talk about strictly this team this year, what they're doing on the floor. This past week, uh, it not only kept that 1% hope alive, I think that that percentage has grown because you see them beat Florida Atlantic, you realize they can beat just about anybody in conference if they can beat that team. Yeah, and we we've – We've known this. They haven't shown that in quite a while, but we've known the whole year that Memphis is really at their best, at their peak max powers. They're capable of beating pretty much any team in college basketball. I believe that. I mean, yeah. they have very quality wins. They've went in tough environments and won games against quality opponents. Like Memphis can beat a lot of top 25 teams in the country probably. They're just – that good on paper but for whatever reason they only show up at certain times yep and the charlotte game was honestly a little surprising that they beat them by 24 just because of what we've grown accustomed to seeing against inferior opponents but and you thought that they completely quit after that right right thought that was it thought that was the nail in the coffin fau game does not surprise me at all because it's a home game against perceivably the best team in the conference, especially coming into the year. Now yeah. there's obviously debate surrounding that, but a team that has what, – what were they, preseason top ten? <laughs> they were ten. Ten. Yeah. yeah. So this is a team that's talented. They've underperformed this year as well. Uh, but this was just a game where you felt like, okay, Memphis is going to – like going into it, despite everything else, Memphis is going to win this game. Doesn't yeah. matter, like even with the controversy surrounding. They cared. You knew the intensity yeah. would be there. It's gonna yeah. be built in, and they will show up in big games. Which, Gabe, we talked about this pre-show. I almost want to put a bet on Memphis <laughs> winning win the, the AAC, AAC tournament. Yeah. Like that. That's the collision course that we're headed towards. As crazy as it sounds, Memphis could probably lose another game or two this year in conference, and we wouldn't be that surprised, and we'd be equally unshocked if they went into the conference tournament and they won four games this in a row. Team is, dude, this team is so frustrating to follow at times. It, it, it's, you can't because like the level of consistency just hasn't been there. But at the same time, you know what they're capable of when they're playing at the peak of their powers, not turning the ball over, right. locking in on defense, when Penny runs the right things for them, and which I think we need to talk about. Yeah. These last two games – as much as the players play hard, and I love how people just try to simplify it to that. And I listen, basketball is a simple sport, 
But I think Penny simplified some things for his team for sure. on the run. People will say, oh, well, they're just playing hard. That's the biggest difference. No, yeah, sure. They're playing with some intensity. It's part of it. But you know what? Penny talked about it after the Charlotte game. He has some offensive sets he's running. He's taking a little bit off of Javon Quinterly trying to set up this professional, this pro-style offense where everybody's moving with all this freedom right. and you're trying to play iso ball. So now Javon Quinterly knows where guys are going to be. He knows the motions. He knows uh, the actions they're going to run. And so guess he what? Can, Turnovers went Turn, way six down. Turno- or six assists to zero turnovers against yeah. Florida Atlantic. And then also, this is something I've been calling for all damn year, and I swear as soon as he's done it, it it it, it he you know it helps with the rotations too because they're not as tired. But stop putting on a full court press and play half court defense. And he's yeah. done that the last two games for the most part. Against Florida Atlantic, maybe got out he tried to press a couple of times, but he got out of it really quickly. Right. But just switch your looks up. Playing half-court defense, have your guys sit down and defend. Because this team is not built to communicate at that level. Their recovery times aren't very good. They're bad at scrambling. They're not like your teams of the past. You don't need to put pressure on every single team you see in the front court. Those two things, I think, have equaled substantially better results. And they were easy easy tweaks to make, seemingly. Because defensively, you're already not a very good team. So why put yourself at more of a disadvantage by playing a full-court press? Don't you know? Don't put yourself at a disadvantage, and we see the differences when those things are tweaked. Also, correct me if I'm wrong. It's at least close. All five starters, I think, played 28 plus minutes. 30. Was it 30 in the they, FAU game? Yeah, they all, all played 30. 30. And then uh, the only bench player that got more than 10 minutes was, was Jaden. Jade. Yeah. Then the other guys were like one, one four, two, seven, yeah. and five, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And that made a big difference as well. And I think, you know, not having an extended full-court press the entire game helps with that. Condition. These guys yeah, are just, comfortable, and right. they can move up and down the floor. They're in good enough condition to play half-court defense. You don't need to extend them right. and have them do that consistently. But th- here's here's what I'll say, and this is where Penny Hardaway deserves a lot of credit. Making those switches, those are against his intuition, isn't it? Completely. Completely against his intuition because he wants to play that pro-style offense, and he wants to make sure that you know defense is can't just breathe. rugged. You can't breathe. You're yeah. full-court press for a majority of the game. He went against his intuition, and it worked out. Yeah. And I, my hope is that this is like a learning experience for him as to, okay, this personnel doesn't fit what I usually want to do, but if I fit my schemes to this personnel, we can have success. Right. Because this team, this is an offensive team. This team is, whether he intended to or not, this team was created and put together as an offensively strong team. Yes. It's just, it's what they are. It's what these players' skill sets are. And to play to that, it, clearly much better. Yep. Because two weeks ago, even though I'm sitting here saying, like, I'm not surprised that they beat FAU and I'm not, two weeks ago, we look back and you, you think after that loss to SMU, you talked about th- they're going to quit from here. Yeah. And I think there was that sentiment was heavy that they're going to quit from here. But we wouldn't have thought two weeks ago that Memphis could have beat FAU. And they couldn't have without adjustments. Yes. Without the adjustments that were made over Agreed. this past week, there, there was just no way. The way that they were going, it was, it was impossible for them to beat a quality basketball and, team, in, in my opinion. And so for – Penny and the staff to make some of these tweaks. And obviously we were very critical of what's been going on, as we should be. And we're going to be fair in the same right in saying that finally some adjustments, some tweaks were made, and you get two wins that you had to have, and you beat a really quality team in FAU, and you never looked 
uncomfortable in that game. If, if that no. if that makes sense, they and, look, and the the crazy thing they didn't shoot well. No, neither team shot well. They, but they looked like absolute garbage on the offensive yeah. end shooting wise. They shooting. shot a lesser percentage from the field, and they shot eighteen percent from three, right. and still won a ball game. They put they played well defensively. They didn't turn the ball over. They played at least to even though shots weren't falling, they played together. And they offensively. got dirty work points too. Right. They won on the offensive glass and second chance but opportunities. They had three three players with eight plus rebounds: Nick Jordan, Naquan Tomlin. I think and, that's right. Uh, and David Jones. David Jones. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, so they won the battle and second chance opportunities, and they won the battle of, of points off turnovers. They got knockaways, they got steals. They limited those opportunities for Florida Atlantic. They won the points off turnovers battle, eighteen to five. Yeah. So it's like you know. <laughs> it just feels like there's a there's a clear formula for this yeah. team to succeed. Play your best guys, uh, alleviate some of the pressures that you normally put on them defensively, right. and then give them some structure yeah. on offense. And I think if you do those things, you know, win or lose, you're gonna just play better you're gonna basketball. Look, it, you're gonna look better. Optically, it's gonna look much better. Um, there is something from this game that I want to talk about that ties into the current situation that's going down. So we're gonna. I'm going to kind of intertwine these for a second. Okay. We're talking about this point kind of by itself, and then we'll go back into the situation at hand. So everybody knows this by now. Malcolm Dandridge did not play on Sunday um, due to an academic. academic. Is that how it was framed? Academic, misconduct, academic, whatever you misconduct. want to call it. Right. So whatever there, we'll get to that in a second. But I think this allowed for Naquan Tomlin – to have a more defined role. And Naquan's been up and down this year. I don't think he's been probably as good as we expected him to. And, and it kind of goes back to maybe expectations were a little too high for him for when he came in, how he came in, the front court that he came into was already established. And I, and I don't know, and I'm not saying anything about, man, this is good that Malcolm Dandridge is not there. That's not what I'm saying. But I think it carves out a more defined role for Naquan Tomlin potentially to get more minutes and not have to worry about, okay, am I when I'm on the floor with Nick, who am I? When I'm on the floor with Malcolm, who am I? What am I supposed right. to adapt to these different situations? And I think now he just has a little bit more freedom. And I think I think we saw that on Sunday a little bit against FAU. And that's a that's a working theory. We'll see how that pans out but it to me it just makes sense it's it almost was addition right. by subtraction for naquan specifically yeah just to understand okay this is what i have to do for the rest of the year right i almost thought though against charlotte when he was playing the three yeah that, it, that was there for him like he yeah. did have some there's a reason he won aac player of the week this year That's this, this exactly week. exactly so like he played the three in that game right. he played the five for the most part um against florida atlantic like i don't know i i I don't even know if it's Malcolm going down or it's just it's Penny just that, finally deciding, right. hey, right. Naquan has to be at the top of this pecking order for us to be successful. He's yep. the guy who, even in that SMU game, was still playing hard. Right. He's the guy who's brought energy every game, even if it's been misplaced at times with fouling out. He's fouled out four times in 17 games. Mm -hmm. like, But he's been a guy who's been consistently giving you that effort. intensity, that effort. I, I don't even know if it's Malcolm though. I, 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 I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with that. I think for the rest of the year, Naquan has no there's no ifs ands or buts about what he has to do. Right. He's gonna guard the opposing big, and he is you know he, on the offensive side he's so multiple that you can sort of move him a little bit and make some things happen. But he'll be get some more post ups that type of thing. But I, I think that you know and there was reports about this and there was things written about it. I, I think that him and 
uh, Penny sort of hashed this out and yeah. just said, you know. What's it going to look like? Penny basically said, you're going to take more of the load offensively, and yeah. we're going to get you into this role. You're going to get more opportunities. And I think that's made all the difference yeah. for the guy. No, and I, he is so damn talented. He is. It's kind of nuts, his, his skill set. Because when he was playing the three against Charlotte, I sort of doubted because he's 6'11". Right. It's like, damn. But defensively, he was locking in on mm -hmm. some of the guys that were smaller than him and seemingly quicker. Then on the offensive end, he can stretch out to the three-point line. He can put the ball on the ground better than we give him credit for. Like, that's that's fun. And I, I see where, at this point, the sort of Swiss Army knife, DeAndre Williams conversations are coming in yeah, about Naquan Tomlin. It's fair. And then the energy, he's screaming up and down the floor when, right. he, when he gets a clutch bucket. Uh, when they get a clutch stop on the defensive end, he's screaming and, you know, pumping up the crowd. I can see where those are some similarities. There's there. a lot of similarities, yeah. man. Agreed. Because he can he can sort of get in where he fits in, plays with intensity, um, provides you know, that energy, provides energy every night. So like I I can see where that's sort of growing at this moment. But I do agree. Ultimately, I guess that the rest of the year, you're the five, right? And that's, he know, that's and he what know, we there's have to no do. there's no questions about that. Yeah, unless we want. Please, by the way. Be careful about fouling too much because that's another thing we're going to have to talk about. Sure. Front court depth is going to be lacking now if yep. with Malcolm Dandridge out yep. for the foreseeable future, if not never playing another game as a Tiger. Yeah, so what are the the thoughts on this news? came out, was it Saturday morning, I believe, Saturday afternoon? So I, should Friday we sort night. Of, I think oh, was we, it Friday night? Yeah. I no, think, no, 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 I'm talking about you know, publicly. Yeah, yeah. Bluff City Media. Yeah, Bluff City Media got Friday. to it. Got but to it. when everybody jumped on board was Saturday, yes, correct? Yes. Okay. So I'm Which, just speaking for the mass. And by the way, just just quick sidebar. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> when I had the chance to work with you and with Kenny and with the people at Bluff City Media, I hopped at that opportunity. Yeah. Regardless of the opportunity. Because I know what type of people work here the integrity that the people work here have and the work ethic that the people that work here have. And it was just strange to see the questioning and the, the validity, you know, people just consistently trying to act as if bluff city media is not this reputable. So it's just nuts to me. Yeah. You, you've, you've, how long have you been in this market? How long have I been in this market? Saying how long have he has he been in long this market? Time. How long has Kenny been doing things like this in this market? With right. the, there just comes a point where I, I'm not saying anyone has to confirm anybody. I don't give a damn about that. I really don't. Like I've talked to you about that off air. Yeah. But in the end of the day, this source right here, if you hear it from Bluff City Media and it's breaking, it has gone through several damn checks. Right. There's been a check mark here. Oh, let's confirm with this source on this deal. Let's confirm with this source on this deal. If it gets to damn Twitter and there's a story written about it and a podcast published about it, it's legit. You bet your ass it is legitimate. So yeah. like that is the first thing I have to say. Also, the mud slinging back and forth doesn't help anybody. No. It makes everyone look like a jackass. Correct. So if you're yeah. the Daily Memphis or the Commercial Appeal, or if you're a Bluff City Media and you're trying to go back and forth with people about who's breaking news and who's not. That just delegitimizes the right. whole entire thing. Yeah. So right. just stop doing that. It, it, the, the Scoop Wars shit this weekend it's, was so uh, right. annoyingly, it was monotonous, it was stupid, and it's just, it. we've dealt with this type of thing before yeah. in this city, and it's just, can everybody get over themselves? <laughs> and then I also saw, I'm not naming names, but I saw somebody just different, 
different place altogether, sort of throw out that, oh, I have integrity. And, you know, when they, when they dropped this, they didn't think about what it would mean for Malcolm and what it would mean for the team. Because that's not our job. Right. We, we report the details and the stories right. that are put on our plate. We're not supposed to worry about how it's going to affect people. No. Like, if it's a story that needs to be written, that needs to be, to be put out right. there, it has to do that. If, if, like, if you went through a journalism program, if you know the first thing about journalism, There's no it's like you're not trying to do harm, but you can't sugarcoat stories no. that are out there that are going to come out at some point. So that was interesting to yeah. me. No, it's, it's like you're just sort of admitting that, like, it's like you're being a fan. Right. No, it's it's always... And not a journalist. It's always funny when big news comes out because not every time and not even most of the time but sometimes you have a lot of skepticism you know like when when news is broken and if and i'm totally not in this world anymore <laughs> right. i don't i don't in fact I, I i'm not gonna speak for you and put words in your mouth that was something you despised about the whole thing right when you no, had to do that no I've, I've never been a fan of the breaking news stuff i just i I think if you're a young journalist trying to legitimize yourself, it is good for you to be able to break news and make a name for it for yourself. But then but don't go the, back and forth but, with folks. But at, but at the same well, yeah, don't go back and forth with folks, but at the same time, even if you are a young journalist trying to legitimize yourself and you're breaking news in a market where there's people that are established, you're probably not going to get that many eyes on you anyway because it's going to be washed up and covered up by no one else pointing back to you. So the breaking news stuff, I, I just think it's old journalism. I really do. Like yeah. I talk, uh, I did, uh, I did an interview with Gary. What was that? Probably almost a year ago now. Kim? Yeah, about a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's we talked a lot about that. Gary Parrish. Gary Parrish. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and we talked a lot about that. And even him, someone who literally made his name from breaking news, is like in this current landscape that we're in, in this because Twitter universe. Like it's stupid. Nobody knows who did it anyway. Uh, yeah, because you know what happens is okay. I get the story on a Friday night. By Saturday morning, every other publication has picked right. it up and confirmed with their sources. Exactly. So it's like you're going to get the same information. Information anyway. Right. But and, and, I, that, and I understand people's like you know skeptic like when they talk about you know don't just be first, get it right. But right. if it's right and everybody then ends it, up with those same details, then, then like why okay. are we, right. why are we complaining right. about anything? Why is there even this big f fracas yes. and discussion I, about it at all? I think the breaking news stuff in general is kind of stupid. I think it's even stupider to, like you're saying, do the mudslinging back and forth. I, I, I just think it, it it makes no sense, and That's it's not thing. it's not constructive at all. Well, I'm of the opinion, and this is how I feel if I'm scrolling through and I see these things. You could get a scoop on something, and I'm like, okay, legit, good for you, nice, yeah. But if then you keep packing, patting yourself on the back, just like about it. If you keep patting yourself, like, oh, go, yeah, great, great. Yeah. Oh, you tell people off or going after you in the moment. I think that delegitimizes it, it even does. more than you actually legitimized yourself yes. by getting the scoop itself. That and the chest thumping. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's like, who, don't do that. Yeah, don't. Just keep showing the work, That's and then you're matters. good. People, people will notice. Yes. People notice. If you're someone who is always the first to the scoop, people will figure it people out. People know. 100%. But you don't have to keep being like, well, I was first to the scoop. Just let the work speak for itself, right. and that's all you need. Right. That's all you need. All right, Gabe. Thoughts on it? Yeah, no, thoughts, thoughts on, thoughts on, the, on the breaking news. Story? Yeah. Um, I, how do we break this down? Because I think there's a, diff a lot of different thoughts depending on who you're talking about it affecting. Let's start with Malcolm. Sad for him. Um, I thought this was the best ball he played. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, by far Bar in his Memphis career. And um, the fact that he's 23 years old and a fifth-year senior, I figured he would have known better um, to get himself caught up in whatever this is. Don't yeah. have details, can just speculate let's just at this say, point. Let's say the investigation is going and it's alleged. Right? Yes, right. it's alleged. alleged. So, like, if, if, if there is something there, I, I'm, you know, annoyed that he likely – acted like he didn't know better and put himself in this position. Um, but, you know, overwhelmingly, considering he was part of that first recruiting class out of Memphis East, where Penny came from, and he was really the last remaining one from all of that, yeah. the beginning of this whole thing, it is, it's quite sad. It is. To see him, you know, it's not it, the, it's, let, it, let this whole thing implode on him. It's a far cry from the storybook ending. Yes, for exactly. Sure. For sure. It's like the worst thing. It's, it is literally the worst thing that could have happened to end his career, potentially. And then as far as on the University of Memphis basketball program, Penny Hardaway, thoughts on that. And, uh, and once again, it's all alleged right now. That's yeah. it, and on, I'm going to throw this back to you, and we'll have a discussion yeah, yeah, about this. Sure. But <sighs> here, Here's where I'm at. I know that the tendency of the fan base is to always come to the defense of the program, and I find myself being an alum doing that at times as well sure. and feeling like things that are slung on Penny Hardaway in this basketball program, I think they're unfair, and I you know, I try to speak up against them. Yeah, go, 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 but, pull, go pull any clip of you and I talking about right. the preseason thought exactly. and early season thought of the University of Memphis, and you, you'll – get the whole gist of what that means. But when people talk about, you know, you bring in guys that no school wants, you bring in guys with pass, you find yourself in all these uh, in hot water all the time. You you have so much drama around the program, that's why we can't trust you and we can't give you the benefit of the doubt. Like those things, as much as I hate that being the narrative, you can't outrun that narrative. Right. It's just true. There's a, there's only through six years now with Penny. If we're just talking about things that are NCAA related, investigatable or punishable, you have the IARP investigation with James Wiseman. Yep. You have Penny getting suspended three games to start this year for recruiting violations. You have potentially, if you know the investigation goes far and could, it's a struggle. It could be this Malcolm Dandridge thing. And then you keep throwing in Jordan Brown leaves the program and comes back. Mikey Williams gets caught with right. all these issues and the gun crimes right. in the offseason. Um, like, where where else can I go with this? Like, in the past. Amani Bates, uh, Bates. That type of issue. Yeah. Like, as much as I... J.J. Taylor as well. Yeah, as much as I have tried to always protect and uphold the name of the University of Memphis and Penny in this program. I think in the end of the day, it's going to be nearly impossible to yeah. outrun this narrative. And I think that this narrative, you know, it's super, it's way past just Penny Hardaway, like right. Calipari and Larry Finch. And yeah. like, you can keep going back. This has never been like a squeaky clean program, no. but through six years, this has been a lot of a shit. Lot. Yeah. A lot of shit. Yeah, and, and this is the way that I'll that I'll frame it. The more that stuff happens, I would say as a fan base, as people that cover and typically do, you know, protect and defend because we have our own opinions, it gets 
harder and harder <laughs> to stick your neck out there right. the more that stuff happens. When the James Wiseman stuff happened in 2019, oh, yeah. my neck was all the way yeah. out there. <laughs> yes. My neck was all right. the way out there. Um, and as it, it you kind of just feel a little bit like the boy who cried wolf defending something that continues to happen. And when things continue to happen, it gets more difficult to defend because it's like where there's smoke. Yeah. There's fire. I mean, and we don't know all the details of this situation yet, so we can't say that this is set in stone and that this is legit or whatever. But when there's smoke, there's fire. And over six years, this is the third time the NCAA's gotten involved. And there's been <sighs> countless other incidents, you know, drama or whatever's going on behind the scenes that you could at least look at. And maybe we don't know the whole full, the full story, but you can at least look at it and go, Hmm. Got to be something there, and, and, and so it just is like this recurring cycle. And the more it happens, the less you 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 really want to go to bat for it because you understand, like, okay, maybe maybe something is going. I have no yeah. idea. Maybe and, and there, going down. there there does come a point too where it's like, you know, after the IARP investigation, and really what happened at Memphis East, we can go back to like Penny right. at Memphis East, and right. Dealing with the TWSAA and yeah. shit like. There does come a point where you wanted Penny Hardaway to like, okay, let's learn the damn rule book. <laughs> like, right. Let's 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 try to you know make sure everything is out there in the open and we're not getting in trouble for these things. And I, I again with Malcolm, Malcolm like with academic stuff, I don't know how Penny can really do anything about that. Like, right. So I'm not blaming Penny, no, no, no. but like I think as a as a program, CEO, like program. program manager, you're that guy at the top that everyone has to answer to. I just think you need to have more understanding of what's happening beneath you, what's yeah. happening around you, what's right. happening right under your nose. Right. So that's the part of it where I think Penny over the years, and I'm not saying he's incapable of doing that now, but like just learn to have these things managed, to manage these things better. He hasn't really shown the proclivity to do that, like right. to understand that. So that's another thing. No, I agree. Um, any other thoughts on this? <laughs> I, I mean – I think we. I think that's uh, yeah. It pretty it's well. just it's it's kind of we're in wait and see mode tough, right now. Man. There's only so much we can say and talk about right now. It's kind of wait and see. Yeah. Uh, talk about program managers. Talk about people that run a that's tight a ship. That's a good one. That's a here we go. Program and, uh, manager. I'll go. I'll go to the man behind the glass, as we refer to him, Kenny Stubblefield, runs a tight ship over at Bluff City oh. Media. If I do say so myself, I, I NCAA hadn't gotten involved over here. Kenny Kenny runs it. He knows the rule book, keeps it tight. Culture follows its leader, as we do with Kenny. So we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to do the hot three. is who we thought Dylan was going to be, right? He's mo he's turning into that player that's just a defensive menace but can get you buckets. And it's just fun to watch him grow and develop into the player that he is, especially against Dylan Brooks. It was a passing of the guard thing, but because for Dylan it was always like you loved his grit, you loved his tenacity, you loved his nastiness on the defensive end, but he just shot you out of games. And yeah. you were just hoping like Vince Williams can be that guy and he just won't shoot as much. But it's actually been this season, he's taken uh, four three-pointers a game, 37% from three. 
44% from the uh, from the field as a total. And it's the polar opposite on the offense fan of what Dylan offered. Getting in Steph's head, getting in Lucas' head, you know, bugging these right. star players, grinning maniacally while he's covering Steph Curry, one of the greatest shooters of all time, because he's a straight-up Batman villain. Tune in to the Two Buck Sports Show with Rusty Witten and Drew Gann every Friday at 3 p.m. only on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Vince got the, uh, the big boy not uh, being invited to the, uh, uh, the whatever they called it, Rising Stars, Rising Stars yeah. Challenge Invitational Tournament of the World of America versus the Planet of the Universe of Masters <laughs> or whatever they call it. But uh, uh, no, Vince is going to be out there taking it super serious, yet <laughs> smiling the whole time. Man, somebody got to get with Vince, bro. Like for the All-Star game, man, don't come out there with them nasty-ass black <laughs> Paul George's on. You know, white socks, man. Somebody get my boy G'd up for hey, sure. He's a hooper, man. He don't care. No, he didn't get his hair braided like in an up kind of style, <laughs> baby. You know what I'm saying? Like, be, be fly, man. Come on, Vince. Take that damn well, t shirt off. No, thank you. They got it back to back because they play Wednesday and Thursday. Then he got to uh, go. He going to come Friday. up there, man. Same so, shoes, stanking in there. Same shoes. I don't know if he's going to be a dude out there. Vince going to come in just busty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Tune in to The Anthony Sane Show, Wednesdays and Fridays at 12 p.m. weekly on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Woo! It has been quite the break. Dude, I like that Vince McMahon meme where it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's me right now. Holy it, dude. Toledo. TJ, we're not, we can't have 10% beers when we eat dinner at 5 o'clock and record at 11. <laughs> oh. So I'm still fine for body to get back with this there. Dear God. <laughs> so. <laughs> Did you have any hard any questions? Oh, that'd be great. Great evidence. <laughs> Can we cut the commercial break? <laughs> Supposedly, there's a uh, video of Drake going around the internet, and Kenny just sent me a steel shot. And, oh, it's gonna take a minute to recover from that. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. We're back. We're back. The program manager is here. Are you a program manager or a game manager? It depends on how we define it. Are we Cam Newton game manager or are we... Are you a game name? changer or a game manager? That's all I'm asking, Kenny. I press buttons for a living, so I think I'm just a game manager. You know, there's nothing wrong with that either. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. No. You know. It's okay. With you, that whole discussion, no one wanted to talk about the fact that since Patrick Mahomes has become more of a game manager, the Chiefs have had more success, and that's why they went back to back. It's fair. Good point. It's a good point. It's a fine point. It's a fair point. All right, y'all guys ready? Yes. Let's, let's get to this hot three, man. So obviously a huge story across all of sports, specifically college basketball. And Gabe, I, I heard it on your show today. You gave a stat that there are now three court stormings a week in college basketball, 
which tells me one thing. There is parody in college basketball. <laughs> it's true. Number yeah, one. Right. Number two, a lot of stories like have been written and, and, and you know, as our good friend Stephen A. Smith likes to say, bloviating about the uh, about court storming and the efficacy and the safety and all those things, we've had some pretty major players get in, get hurt and get get knocked over and there's danger and all that kind of stuff. Uh, break it down, boys. I know everybody and their so, mama's talking about court storming, but let's talk about court storming. This comes from Caitlin Clark earlier in the year getting taken out, yep. and then Kyle Filipowski against Wake Forest this past weekend. Everybody, you know. Rush the court because they beat a number eight Duke team, which I think they should have rushed the court. Like, that was actually a good moment to rush the court. Um, but Kyle Filipowski got hit, and it looks like he's got a sprained ankle. Um, so there is that. Uh, I, the fact that it's three per week is nuts. That's a it needs wild. to become a little bit more, it needs to become less frequent. Yes. And it needs to be like more special yeah. if you're going to storm the court. Um, but here's where the this is kind of funny how every one of these conversations starts. They're like, should you ban court storming? Should you ban? Well, there's something court funny storming. about that. Well, it's not it's really not allowed. allowed. <laughs> like these people get you know the the SEC and like all the major conferences find the hell out of schools right. to have court storming. How are you going to stop fifteen thousand people? From or or like five hundred at that? Yeah, are you going to arrest all of them? Like, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. I, I mean. Uh, banning court storming, I think, is just like that seems pretty damn like you are reaching for the stars, there, yeah, brother. And, and also, I'll say this is just sort of an aside. I think it adds to the pageantry of college basketball. It does. Co- uh, we've well, always just, done that when you, when, when you really, especially like college football as well. I, I I get the safety part of it, and I think you could find a way find ways to potentially make it safer. You definitely. Can. But I think it adds to the pageantry of okay, you get a big upset, we're going to rush the field, we're going right. to rush the court. Yeah. Look, hey, you know when it's coming. Yeah. You know when it's coming. Yes. Clear, clear it quickly. Yes. That's that's all there is to it. But yes. at the end of the day, it's already frowned upon. Banning it's dumb. <laughs> Banning it's not going to do anything, no. man. But also, come on, fan bases. Yeah. Be, be respectful. That's the other thing. We we just, I mean, in general, people are taking too many liberties with the players on the damn yeah. floor or on the on the field. Like, they just, they're talking shit to them. Right. And they're, like, making contact yeah. with them, getting in their face. Who the hell do you think you are? Right. I, I think that there's common sense answers to this. Just clear the damn field of the opposing team immediately. Just do it, yep. or like on a on a court in general. Duke, get out, get them all onto the sideline, filter them out, then they can storm. Like it just feels like there's common sense answers. I don't think it's really. I mean, I guess that if you say, "Oh, ban all court storming," sure, but who? How are you going to do that? You can't. You're not going to be able to, you know, sway a student section to not storm the court when they beat a top ten team when they're not used to doing that. No. Nice so. Job. I just find like the conversation kind of Goofy. silly. Yeah. Very silly about banning them in particular. There are common sense answers out there. Clear the, you know, opposing team off the field, off the court quickly, but banning them all together doesn't seem like a realistic no. possibility at all. No. It's not. Cuz it's not allowed. Anyway. No, it, it's like, it's, already, it's not like, oh yeah, this is you can do this. No, no. everybody knows you're not supposed to <laughs> storm the field or storm the court. It's not supposed to happen. They but do it anyway. At the same time, you know, what are they going to do? There's 20 security guards standing around here. How are they going to stop all of us? They're not. They're not. And so, you're also not going to arrest all of us. No. And you're also not I mean, it's just it's it's goofy. I I get I get why people 
take that and i think that you take that side because it is there are safety concerns but i think that instead of worrying about if they should or shouldn't happen because they're gonna happen i think you should worry put about how in place. put protocols in place to make them safer yeah that's simple common um, sense kenny next all right next up is um everybody knows who cam newton is got a podcast now um he is a former nfl quarterback for the carolina panthers the new england patriots and who else did he play for is that it? I think that was it. That's it. And the Carolina Panthers a second time. And okay, that's right. The Carolina Panthers a <laughs> second time. The return. The return. Yes. Right? Um, everybody knows Cam Newton from his time at Auburn, national championship winner. Um, just a great, really a good quarterback. I think we can discuss maybe his legacy um, as kind of where it, things are at now. But he was in the news this weekend um, at a 7v7 tournament um, hosted by a company called like we ball or something like that in Atlanta, Georgia. He's got a actual 7v7 team team called C1N and they were playing and there was another team that was there called TSP which is like top shelf performance or something like that and and apparently one of their coaches used to coach with Cam and there was an altercation that happened and those videos are just going viral everywhere. You're seeing six dudes, two coaches, players, all that kind of stuff attacking Cam. Um <laughs> What the hell is going on? Can we? T tell, tell me this. <laughs> I know where you're going to start. Why? This is the only place to start. Why and how stupid do you have to be to go after Cam Newton? He is 6'5", <laughs> 250. Yeah. Like a monster of a man. He's a brick shit house. Yes. And he's also one of the most athletic guys that ever came through the NFL. Yes. And we know how many good athletes have come through the NFL. Yeah. Brother, like, like that's it not is the, just that's like, not the guy I'm going after. No, even if I'm like, even if you have six or seven dudes, you're no. gonna get tossed around. You're gonna get punched in the face. A bad call. That is dumb as hell. He is stout. Like, you don't what, go after a six six two fifty guy. No. You just what in don't your right it. mind makes you look at Cam Newton with that <laughs> dumbass hat on and go, <laughs> Yeah, he's that dude. I'm gonna go. Yeah, after, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get off on him. Yeah, real quick. he's a wuss. I'm gonna get <laughs> after yeah. his ass. And by the way, the hat. Speaking of the hat, didn't move him. Didn't and he didn't have a mark on him. <laughs> He's slinging these guys ragged. Like, and this dude that came after him, the guy with the dreads that worked for TSP, he was one of the coaches. Yeah. Like, he was not a small guy. He was like 6'3", 250 pounds probably. It's Cam Newton's ragdolling his ass. Cam. And you're just like, why are you? What, what's the whole point? And I, I think that gets to the, like, crux of the issue, man. We, we got to start, especially at the sort of uh, youth football ranges and, like, uh, seven on seven. You got to respect, guys. You yeah. got to respect former players, former MVPs, guys that have been to Super Bowls, guys but, that won national championship, guys that have won a Heisman. Cam, Cam in these scenarios, like 77's <laughs> camps, like, he has constantly kind of been a target. Yes. Like, this is His not players the, go right, after this him is not the and first, don't respect him. This is not the first time. Like, yeah, like they question his accolades yeah. and they question like how good he was yeah, at football. Yeah, I saw that it's video weird. from a few weeks ago. He Somebody, was, I don't yeah. get it. And like, I, maybe it's because he is outspoken and he's kind of a right. shit talker and right. he's always done that in his career. But at the same time, like while that guy from TSP is going after him, and I saw a video of the TSP guy before everything went down and he had a video like, oh, that, that quarterback who can't throw. It's like, is that really what you think of Cam Newton? Right, he did win Are the league Are you shitting me? He won the league MVP, and he clearly could throw. And he took the he took the Panthers to the Super he took Bowl. A, he took a not very he good Auburn the team to, the to a national right. championship, and, too. And he took the Panthers to the Super Bowl with Ted Ginn and Philly Brown. <laughs> Philly Brown? I forgot about Philly Brown. How about that? And Greg, I mean, Greg Olson was Greg about Olson all he had. Greg Olson was the guy. 
But Philly Brown and Ted Ginn. Uh, are you forgetting Mike Tolbert? Mike Tolbert. Was, but that's a running back. Was Kelvin Jonathan Benjamin Stewart. on that team? Yeah, okay. Kelvin was. Kelvin was. Wasn't okay. D'Angelo on those teams too? No, no, D'Angelo was gone by 20. I think he, there was a couple of yeah, crossover th- years with Cam and D'Angelo. Yeah, but though. I think when they went to the Super Bowl, he might have. He was already. Gone. I, don't, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, I'd have to put that all together. But regardless, like, it, it, there's no way this, these guys actually think about it. What it comes down to me, what, what it comes down to is. I just think, yeah, there's a lack of respect, but also I think these coaches at these seven on sevens, when they see Cam Newton around there, there's like this, they're probably intimidated. Right. And they feel like it's like, a, it's like, it's like when they say like the old saying of like, if you go to prison, you go after the biggest bully there on the first day. Kinda, there. It's kind of like a wee wee measuring contest to yeah. those guys. Yeah, exactly. And Cam, Cam Newton's not here to measure anything. He's no. like, I've done it, dude. Right. I, I have knowledge that I can give to these guys right. that you can't, but they want to prove it, but they want to prove themselves. Right. And it just, beca- but that's, that's embarrassing, man. We're supposed to be setting examples for guys like the for the youth right. for for guys at these seven on seven tournaments and you have grown ass men going after a former MVP for what just because you feel like Over you're a badass. I wanted to ask y'all this: Cam has kind of taken on a social media personality. I think in the last few years, he's very outspoken and says some pretty outlandish stuff. Do you think that that is? <laughs> kind of like <laughs> like <laughs> i get what you mean does Kenny. that make sense like, no but kinda... like okay if you're really going at, let's let's jump him because he said that brock purdy was a game manager right, right. like that shouldn't matter that much No, but i, th- I think i think kind of what kenny's trying to say is like with him being so outspoken and outlandish and not afraid to like go after people you don't think do he's you, talking you, shit at those right, things it, well that and does it also open him up because people see his social media persona and, like, it's okay shit to at those fire things. at him because he fires at people all the time uh, all Maybe. that's kind of what like he's like, kind of like that's what I said he's a he's been a perpetual shit talker through yeah, all I of this I guarantee you he's talking days. there's no doubt in the in those environments that Cam Newton is talking like that's what he does but that still doesn't open you up to being jumped by coaches and stuff like that who are getting butt hurt it's just it's once again goofy yes very goofy I don't really need to like people are like I want to know the whole story like, I don't really need to nah, know. Nah, we're good story. on that. I don't need to know why six people decided to jump Cam Newton. It's wrong. It will be wrong tomorrow. It'll be wrong in 10 years. It'll be wrong in yep. 100 years. Yep. Agreed. All right, Kenny, last point. Let's get out of here. Well, I got one more oh. as a part of this. We talked about Cam Newton wrestling a bunch of grown men. Apparently, an announcement was made today that a bunch of grown men are going to be coming to Memphis soon with the WWE. And guess who is on the list of people to come? I have no idea. The Rock will be in Memphis. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's back in the WWE right now. Playing the heel. Playing the heel, and he's really good at it. What are y'all's thoughts on this, man? Are 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 y'all going to go? Are y'all going to go? Here's the thing, Kenny. I think I I speak for you. I think you need to go ahead and cook on this. I'm not a big WWE guy. I'm not a wrestling guy. I used to be when I was a kid. I'm not anymore. I have not paid attention to WWE at all. What's wrong with you? I mean, sure, I like seeing things coming to the city of Memphis. I'm going to say about to be 26. What's wrong with y'all? It's probably been... It's been at least 15, I mean, I'm from St. Louis, so I didn't really have, like, the Memphis WWE or Memphis wrestling thing ingrained in me. No, I I was huge on it as a kid, but like I said, it's been 16 Then you turn on an NFL football game. Right. Well, I was was always both, but then the NFL, like, really (laughs) – 
really took over for me. So I don't really have any. My inner weirdo is pretty excited about The Rock coming to Memphis. You're going? Man. You're going to no, go? Hell no. I'm not paying money for that shit. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> move, move us on. Yeah. Damn it, Kenny. But it's still a cool story. It's cool. Like, I like seeing everything come to Memphis. I, I'm tired of Drake. You know, yeah, exactly. canceling all his shows. At least The Rock's going to make it to Memphis. Exactly. Shout out. That's there we go. The point. That's, that's what, great take. Good great take. Good yeah. All right. Last topic is uh, NFL franchise tags. Um, obviously, March 5th is the date that teams have to designate a certain player for the franchise tags. You, bo- you boys both took me on a franchise tag lesson before we started the, the podcast today. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the notable names, I think, and is someone that you mentioned a few weeks ago with uh, T. Higgins. Um, T. Higgins, you said you wanted him to go where, Christian? You were like, Chiefs. man, Chiefs. Oh, the Chiefs. Yeah, go get T. Higgins. Well, uh, Cincinnati has basically said, no, you're not getting him. We're putting a franchise tag on him. He's getting paid for one year. He's getting paid $21.8 million. Yep. Um, he's not happy about it. Why is he not happy about making $21.8 million? Because you only get one year on a franchise tag, so yeah. you don't have a long-term contract. Security's uh, not there. There's no, Yeah, there's no long, long-term security. So T. Higgins could make $21.8 million this year, but he could have a career-ending injury, and he has no guaranteed money past that. Yeah. So that's why they don't like the franchise tag. Gabe, let's run through a couple players. I want to get your thoughts on uh, will they, will they not get franchise tag? Really, a lot of them are running backs again this year. And you know what I'm going to say to most of them? No. Yeah. No. Saquon no. Barkley, does he get tagged again? No. Josh Jacobs, does he get tagged no. again? No. Tony Pollard, does he get tagged no. again? Um, who else is up for the Austin Eckler? Austin no. Eckler, definitely not getting tagged. Uh, there's more players that are obviously talking about. There's being, some big name running backs, though. There's big name free agents in general. Why don't y'all um, tell everybody how someone. How they come to a $21.8 million franchise tag. It's basically the top 10 guys at that position. They average their their per year earnings out, and then they give them that. That's the tag. And then you will make that amount of money. And also, that's the other part they hate about it is like they just, you could be the best at your position. If you get tagged, you're just going to make that. Even though you could, if you were an unrestricted free agent, you could make. 30 million dollars but the problem is a 30 million dollars per year say you're justin jefferson yeah right if they tagged you you can only make 21.8 that's your earning you're power. being underpaid yeah. you're being underpaid yeah. and you cannot do anything there's if no they give you the tag right there's no negotiating. you can't do anything no. so like if they give you the tag and they say hey sign it you either sign it or you don't play. Right. That's what happened with Le'Veon Bell. Right. Le'Veon Bell when he's with the Steelers and, that and that's why he sat out poo-pooed his 62 and a half million dollars with the jets and he Never did anything again. But he did get his contract, though. I'll give him that. He did. Um, So, I mean, there will be obviously be more to talk about in the coming weeks on just free agency in general. Combine's coming up next week. But franchise tag's always interesting to me because you know the players hate it. T. Higgins, though, is an interesting one because I don't – I mean, I know that the salary cap went up at a record $30 million. $30 million, yeah. $255 I saw since – it's been 30 years – 30 years, over 30 years, the salary cap's gone up $221 million. That's – unfathomable 2021 it was 188 that's absolutely nuts after the but, COVID year it was um, i figured that after they sort of cleared up that space maybe t higgins could get on a two-year Long three-year deal. deal but they ended up tagging him anyway yeah but they know they have to pay jamar they have joe on the books yeah and i even in this day and age 
to have three big ass contracts be quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver at all twenty million. I don't plus. think that's smart. That no. would not be a smart no, business I, decision. I would imagine what they're going to do is they're going to let Tyler Boyd walk in free agency. They obviously tag T. I would, I would, I would put good amount of money on they're going to draft a receiver early this year. Yeah, and try to get another running mate for Jamar Chase, first or second round pick on a receiver, allow him to work under Jamar and T. Arguably. It is kind of a shame for T, though. It is because T. He's got, 25 million plus per year wide receiver. Right. Right. For sure. But I mean, you go out there and you have a good year, and then you go make yourself more money. How well, many times it's kind of a shame for T, though, because it's like he's $25 million plus, but the problem is. His running mate is a is the high is go, probably when he signs his extension going to be the, the highest, highest paid. paid wide receiver. Right. How many times can a can a uh, organization tag you like that? I think it's, I think you can't do back to back. I think, I don't I think, think it's can, twice. It's, is it twice? You can be tagged twice because Dak had that and Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk had did. That. Dak did not. Oh yeah, because they re-upped him. But Kirk right. Kirk got Kirk tagged did twice. Get tagged but back if you back. get tagged twice, the money goes it goes up. Way money increases. Up. It goes way substantially, and all of that money is for a cap hit that year. Right. So. Teams don't like to, tag to do him twice. that. No, because I, unless I, they're in a bind, like they were with Kirk when he was in Washington. Right. I think I think it almost is like the average, and then I think they add maybe like twenty five to forty percent on top of it. It's something you become the high, basically the highest paid player yeah. at your position. No questions asked. If um, you're double tagged. So I'll say this about all these running backs, because I don't think any of them are going to get paid. But Josh Jacobs, who led the league in rushing two years ago. Saquon, who at his peak has been one of the best running backs right. in the league. Derrick Henry's still out there. He's not going to get tagged. Austin Eckler um, and Tony Pollard. Like, my God. Good there's, I mean, there's. this is a hell of a running back class. And I'm not going to say, like, oh, they're going to get paid a whole bunch of money. But I wonder what the market reacts to with all five of those guys being on the open market. Because I would imagine a few of them are going to have some bidding wars for them. Yeah. And they may be able to drive up the price. At yeah, I would bit. say I would say two of those. We'll two, get more than the tag. Two no, of those. The tag two, number. Yeah, the tag's like maybe. 12.1. Is it 12.1? Yeah. Oh, it went up a good bit then. Yeah. I would say I would say two of them will probably get between 14 and 16. Okay. Probably Saquon and Josh Jacobs. What about Derek? Dude, Derek's older. weird. He's got a lot of tread. He's thirty. I see. Yeah. De- Derek's a one-year deal. You know what I would guy. do though for all these? If you're just like, oh, best landing spot for all these the guys. Cowboys. Ravens. 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 Oh, yeah, Ravens. Yeah, yeah, Ravens. Ravens. Yeah. Ravens. 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 That's fair. Keep going. Ravens. You're right. Every single. I mean, every single one of these guys. I think the Ravens need to capitalize on one of them. Whoever they have it to. Is. They have to. And 100%. I think Derek Henry would be. For a couple of years with that roster, yeah, alongside I really want, Lamar I, would be terrifying. I would love Derrick Henry to the Cowboys. Derrick Henry to the Cowboys. Okay, I mean, any of them: Saquon, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, any of them. Not Tony Saquon. Pollard. Saquon will be an interesting one to the Ravens, though, because of the pass catching out of the backfield. Right, and I don't that think could be he'd very be, helpful. Yeah, yeah, I think he would be could be more utilized, and they need more weaponry. Receiving, so. I guess with Ravens, I'd say Tony and Austin Eckler maybe to the side yeah. compared to the other guys. Yeah, they they need someone who's going to run between tackles. Yes, Derrick Henry would. Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is like a plug and play fit for the Ravens. <laughs> if you if you could design a running back to for play, the Ravens system for the Ravens, it's it's them. Yeah. All right, Gabe, let's get out of here. Ooh, excuse me. We appreciate you guys for joining us this week. If you're watching on YouTube, you can like, subscribe comment if you're listening wherever you get your podcasts apple spotify 
any of the other platforms you can like subscribe and comment there as well we appreciate you guys for sitting in with us this week and we will see you back here next week thank you for listening to on the bluff if you enjoyed this episode leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts also like and subscribe to bluff city media's youtube page Head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co for comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports and how you can become an insider.